The scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. So if you have the Bible or digital Bible, you may turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. The topic is on church leaders, overseers, or deacons. Here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of, but one wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey them with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he must become or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Verse seven he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Dickens, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Verse 11. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of, but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. This morning, we are very grateful to have Reverend Gabriel Ling Xiaosen to preach to us. Good morning, church. Church here in the sanctuary and also church uh, from behind the screen at your home. Some of us uh, cannot be here because we have contracted, contracted uh, COVID-19 or we are close content anyway. Um, good to see you here, and even though I can't see those behind the screen, welcome back to the house of the Lord. Welcome to um, the last Sunday of March. Um, if you still remember, at the beginning of the year, uh, we have shared about the emphasis for the first quarter of this year on the pulpit will be, you know, regarding the church. So this morning, I'm going to close the first quarter of the pulpit roster with the sermon title, Church Leaders, huh? as we take a look at the qualification of church leaders from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Now, as I mentioned, the two words, church leaders, who come to your mind? Think about that, right? Church leaders, who are they? Any faces that come to your mind right now, maybe because you are looking at me right now, so you think about pastors. Huh? <laughs> you are reminded of Reverend Lenita as the PIC of FMC. You are reminded of uh, other 
pastors, pastoral staff uh, who are at service. Uh, maybe some of you think further away, bishop. And if you know the structure of the Methodist Church, then some of us may be reminded of the LCEC, uh, uh, Local Church Executive Committee, the LCEC members, some of us reminded of uh, the LCEC chair, uh, rather David, <laughs> the lay leader, uh, our lay leader, rather Menkun. Uh, and if I ask you to think more, expand that circle of church leaders, you may start to include the worship leaders, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, what else? The small group leaders, stuff like that. So the question that we are going to examine this morning is what are their qualifications? Uh, as we think about church leaders, what kind of church leaders we want to have in the church? What qualifications they should have? Now in the church, uh, before we talk about the church, I think we should take a look at uh, outside the church, in the corporate world today. I don't want to go and talk about Malaysia politics because that is not a very good standard. <laughs> but talking about big company in the corporate world today, uh, let's say if you are thinking about a CEO, is there some sort of qualification, a set of uh, criteria that we use in the marketplace as we think about you know, electing someone or selecting someone? Uh, as a CEO, um, I, I will click my own slides, huh? Okay. So CEO usually is a person who can present himself clearly. Am I right? You think about CEO, you think about someone who, who has, uh, who is charismatic, uh, who has a lot of charisma. You know, I'm talking about influential, who can take a team, who is very, uh, effective in his work. So the world has its own set of standards for leaders. How about the church? What kind? Is it the same kind, the same set of qualifications for church leaders? Now to answer that question, we have to go back to the Bible. Uh, because why? Because the boss is the one who gives, who set the criterias. And who is that boss that I'm talking about? It's not you and I. It's the one who is above us, God. God is the boss for the church. Am I right? Christ is the head of the church. Boss, our boss is God, right? So we have to go back to the Bible and to see what has our boss, uh, our employer, God himself, set out the qualifications for leaders. All right? So let us start with the first verse of 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you can, read together with me. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, Paul started by saying that those who aspires, or if you want, if, if you can use another word, those who desires, those who are inspired, you know what I mean? So whoever aspires, long for, desire for, whoever hopes to be an overseer, or more generically, a church leader, an overseer, they desire a noble task. 
Now, I don't know how many years you have been attending church. Maybe some of us, we have been um, attending you know, church long enough. Maybe we have visited some other church. We have made the observation long enough to know this. But in my observations, there is a group of people who, uh, who desire to be church leader. Okay, who long to become church leader. They want to be elected as the chairperson, the prominent place, position of a church. They want to be elected as the church leader, uh, chairperson or lay leader. And they go around, uh, they even go around rarely, you know, asking people, and hey, remember to vote me, remember to vote me to be the LCEC chair, to be the, uh, whatever, lay leader. I would not say that this kind of desires are noble. I would not say that. Okay? Because some of them perhaps are driven by their personal desire for personal gain, uh, for fame, for respect. Now, I'm the leader of this church, so I'm the most popular guy around. Now, I'm the leader of this church, so people respect me. People do look up to me. So it may come from that kind of, uh, Selfish, self-centered desire. However, in my years of pastoring, <laughs> I'm new to this church, but in my observation as well, however, I understand that more often, uh, often at times, instead of running for this leadership position, most people whom I know, most people run away. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, a small group of people desire to be elected as church leaders, want people to elect them, to pick them, uh, to put them as, you know, in the position of a church leader. But most people shun away from any kind of leadership position. You mentioned the word leader and then they go like, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not the leader. I'm a member. <laughs> Most people I know shun away, run away instead of running for the positions they run away. Now, I think neither of these two attitudes are helpful. I think none of them are helpful. Whether you are so uptight about being elected, being re-elected, or you are talking about running away from church leadership position, these two Attitudes are not helpful, are not biblical. Paul here, in the verse here, Paul says that whoever desires, aspires, whoever desires to be an overseer, desires a noble task. It is a genuine desire that he is talking about here. Not a selfish desire, but a genuine desire to serve in the leadership position, not a desire to be famous, uh, a desire to be respected, to be admired, but a desire to serve God by serving His people. Those who desire fame, then desire to serve, you know, by, by leading, they have not come to the right understanding. They don't understand this verse. You know what I'm talking about? Those who desire, uh, uh, out of selfishness, they have not taken it rightly. However, those who do not have the desire to serve have not fully understand the heart of God either. Because the verse says, those who desire, aspire, 
desires a noble task. My brothers and sisters in Christ, therefore, the first thing that you must remember this morning is that we all ought to learn to want to serve. We all ought to cultivate. Maybe by our nature, we don't want to serve. By my nature, I don't want to serve. I don't want to be a leader. But because we subject ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we do not trust ourselves more than we trust God. We do not prefer the method in which we serve the Lord. Because who is the master, who is the boss, not you and I. We don't make the call. The one who is above. So that's the first thing for us as we open up 1 Timothy 3 verse 1. There you have, we must cultivate that desire to serve. We must aspire, we must long for, we must hope, you know, that we can actually serve. Even if you are talking about leadership position, this is a noble desire. This is the kind of desire that Paul is talking about. In UMH 607, that page, there is a covenant prayer uh, that is there. And I have put it out for us it's according to the Wesleyan tradition. Usually we say this um, at the eve of New Year or as we march into the New Year. This is the covenantal prayer that we renew before the Lord, if you still remember. And um, shall we um, read together uh, the prayer? I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought law for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. We have said this prayer so many times, at least once a year. Alright, so we know what uh, the prayer is about. I want to highlight especially a few phrases here. Let me be employed by thee. That means you are hired by God. Or laid aside for thee. We are talking about the positional, uh, you know, posting now. God may put you at a high place and he may put you at a low place. You know, it's unlike the corporate world um, it's always cl about climbing the career ladder. You start small, but you know, you, you are hardworking, you are diligent in your work, and then your boss see your performance, and then he give you a pay raise, he give you a promotion, you know. So you, you go to become a supervisor, then in a few years time, hopefully, you can be the manager, and in a few years time, be the senior manager, the director, the CEO, the director, whatsoever. It's always about getting to higher position in the corporate well, people don't expect themselves to go down <laughs> the career path. People actually, you know, aim to go up. But it's not the same in the church setting. Um, this year, it may be, you know, Brother David as the LCEC chair. But in a few years' time, he may still be serving in FMC, but in a different position. 
He's not going to be there as a chairperson forever <laughs> and then trying to get to the next level positional-wise. This is different than the corporate world. In the church, we may serve at a high position as we are called to be. After a few years, we are willing to step down. We are willing to give way. We are willing to train up uh, the next batch of leaders. We are willing to serve at a low position as well, as a lowly position. Wherever God places us, that's what the prayer reminds us of. Let me be employed by thee, by God, or laid aside. Even God, if you think that uh, someone is more suitable, I'm willing to be laid aside. Is that the kind of attitude that we have as we serve the Lord? Let me be exalted for thee or be brought law for thee. In all these, may God be glorified. Uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the, the question that um, we should ask ourselves this morning is, do we desire to serve the Lord? That's the first question, right? Do we desire to serve the Lord? If not, then we better start to cultivate that desire. It's not in us, but we can learn to desire. I want to serve the Lord. So that's the first question for us. Do we desire to serve the Lord? But the second question is that, do we have the right desire? You can say, yeah, I, I, I desire, I do desire to serve the Lord. But then, do you have the right desire? Is your desire to serve includes that of serving by leading? Or you only want to serve by following? <laughs> you, you say, I'm willing to do certain ministries only. I don't want to serve by leading. I will shun away, I'll run away from all kinds of leadership position. If that's the case, who is the boss? Take a guess. <laughs> right? If you serve God by your own preference, are you your own boss or is God still your boss? Let me be employed by God. The prayer reminds us whether I should give way to others so that the kingdom of God may advance or whether I should be placed in a higher leadership position so that the kingdom of God advances. It's not what we can do, but what God wants to do with us. It's not how well I will be respected by others. As people see me in a high position, they respect me, you know, they, they admire me. It's not about that, but it's about what God wants to do with us, through us. Now, verses two, uh, um, verses two until seven, it laid down qualifications for overseers. We talk about the qualifications, right? The criterias. What are they? Starting with verse 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own house, uh, family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? 
He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceit and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now, interestingly, in verse 8, so verse, verses 1 to, actually verses 2 to 7 lay out the qualifications for who? For overseers, right? And then verse 8 onwards, Paul laid down the qualifications for deacons. So first one, overseers. The second uh, set of qualifications for deacons. But interestingly, Paul used the phrase in the same way. That means what? That means it's the same. Right? In the same way, Paul uses that to lay down the qualifications for deacons as well. So the question is, what are common what are common between the two sets of qualification for these two leadership positions? By the way, in our church today, we don't use the term overseers, do we? So who are they? We do use the word deacons, but in a, in a slightly different uh, meaning. Anyway, in today's context, church leaders, these are church leaders. In Paul's time, they call it overseers, whatever. In today's context, they are the church leaders. So they are your pastors, okay? They are your lay leaders. <laughs> they are your LCEC members. So we got it right there. Pastors, church leaders. So these are the qualifications that we should, we should follow. We should have. And what are there? There are many things, many, uh, criterias laid laid out for us but I summarize that into three points okay that's what I'm going to share with you this morning the three pointers for qualifications for church leaders number one I would say it is about reputation public reputation and I say at the outside okay you will understand what I mean at the end of the sermon but the first criteria the first qualification for anyone to become a leader is that this person has to you know have reputation good reputation um, at the public arena what Paul describes here above reproach respectable hospitable not given to drunkenness not violence stuff like that all these can be parked under good reputation, all right. Good characters, the huh? good reputation. They are descriptive of that qualification. Then the same can be said for deacons. The second set of the qualification also talks about uh, this. You know, in the same way, worthy of respect. Huh? Good reputation, worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and nor pursuing dishonest gain. All these are descriptions of a person with good reputation. As leaders, we need to have that. Not so much to uh, impress people so that they can look at us and admire us and respect us, but so that people can see Christ-likeness in our life. So that people look at, there are many Bible verses on this, people look at the good things, the good work that we have done, and they want to give glory to God. They give glory to God. Once I attended a, quite a big conference with a few thousands uh, among the congregation, and the keynote speaker went out and uh, he started uh, with a very interesting 
uh, sentence. He said, he, he grabbed the mind, I remember quite clearly, and uh, he said, I want to look good. <laughs> I want myself to look good. He said that. And you can literally see people frowning, you know. People are like confused. What, what, what have you just said? You are our pastor and, and you just say that you want yourself to look good. But he continued. Uh, he said, I want to look good because I want God to look good. What he was saying essentially is that he want people to see the Word of God in his life. He want people to see the transformation that God has brought in his life. That's what he meant. He wants to look good so that people look at him. And then they think about God. They give glory to God. Good reputation. Leaders of the church, we ought to live a life of reputation, of integrity, of sincerity for God. Unlike, as I say, unlike the political arena of Malaysia, you may not, you know, have that and you can still be a leader. It's a different game in the church. First qualification, good reputation in the public uh, sphere. As leaders, number two, Paul say that you better be able to uphold the right doctrine. Uh, the right doctrine. In verse 2, the word teach is found here. All the rest of, uh, you know, qualification, as I say, can be parked under good reputation. But the word here, uh, teach is mentioned. That's for overseer. And then in verse 9, the same thing. That's, that, uh, that's why we, you can appreciate when Paul said in the same way. huh? Because the same thing is mentioned, elaborated for deacons. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Now, a lot of times, um, as we think about uh, qualification for church leaders. I think often the times we will think about people who are good with admin. <laughs> a lot of administrations, uh, to be, to be taken care of, like maintaining of the church building, la, what else, um, booking of the, the venues, um, forms, um, baptism forms, uh, admin stuff, a lot of administration, uh, going on. So, that, that, that could be one of the first few things that we think about when we think about church and leadership. Now, of course, church leaders, we need to deal with church administrations as well. But to Paul, administration is not the primary concern. It's not one of the criteria that Paul listed down for church leaders, at least not in this passage. I don't see it in this passage. But Paul in one of those important qualifications for leaders, he say that you must be able to teach and be able to live out. Uh, be able to teach others and be able to keep whole. That's living out, right? Keep whole with clear conscience. Be able to live out your Christian faith as well. And that is teaching. We don't just teach with words. We teach with our lives as well. We teach by being a great witness to Christ by, by, by showing a good testimony. Uphold the doctrine by both our words and our actions 
as well. We keep the deep truth of faith with clear conscience. Ability to uphold, right? Through teaching and living. Then we come to the third qualifications for leaders. And I put there reputation in the private sphere. That means in your family, in your personal sphere, your family, your own family. A leader must take care of his own household or her own household. If the first qualification speaks about reputation in the public arena, in the public sphere, then the third reputation is about our family, inside, you know, private sphere, at home. I used to um, talk to young people, and uh, sometimes we will talk about uh, people preparing for marriage, uh, people looking for spouses, and I think one of the best advices I ever given to singles who are looking <laughs> is this. You know, um, I don't see a lot of youths here, but if you are at home listening to this, I, I, I think this will be helpful to you as well. People ask me, you know, how do I know that, uh, this is a good person or that is the most suitable person or what? You know, how to see, how to judge whether is a good candidate. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I told them, I say, one of the best way to see the true color of a person is to look at how he, he or she interacts with the family members. How this person treat, uh, treated his parents. How this person uh, interacts with his or her siblings. That's one of the best ways that you can see the true colors. Because if he mistreats his parents, if he, if he or she does not respect the parents or he or she always, you know, fight with the siblings, very, very likely five years into your marriage, ten years into your marriage, twenty years into your marriage, that will be how your spouse treats you by then. Because we can always put up a show in the public arena. As we go out, we are mindful that people look at us. So I better, you know, behave. But as we come home, as we go back to our own family, often the times we just leave our politeness at the, at the door of the house. And then we show our true color to our family members. So if you want to know the true color of a person, of a, you know, someone who you are interested in, have meals with the family members. Uh, look at how that person interacts with the family members. Ask the family members, hey, how's your brother? What do you think of your brother? How do you think of your sister? <laughs> Listen to how the family members actually evaluate him or her. I grew up in the church and so I have heard all kinds of uh, comments that people make, all kinds of conversations that people make uh, regarding ministry, regarding church and all that. This morning I want to share with you one of that. Once I overheard, so this mother was, two sisters were, were talking, uh -huh, sisters in Christ. So they were talking in the church compound um, and I overheard. <laughs> uh, one of them is a mother and so that mother was just, just talking to uh, the other person, and the mother said this. She said, 
my son, uh, how come he always, you know, he always like to uh, help out in the church. He always served in the church. The son went for MJIF and, and, and served in the church. And that mother commented and said, he's willing even to scrub the, the floor of the church toilets. But at home, he doesn't even tidy his own bedroom. <laughs> the son was not there. But I, I heard, you know. And some of us husbands here, wives here, maybe, maybe our spouses have said similar, uh, things to us. Wow, you are so willing to serve in the church. You are so willing. Nowadays, we don't have food, lah, huh? but in the past, I believe that requires a lot of arrangement. You are so willing to serve in the church, even clean the, the, the church toilets, you know, serve without, uh, complain. But at home, you don't even wash your own cup. At home, you don't even do the laundry. At home, you don't even do this and that. That could be something that our spouses have said to us. My friends, we have to uh, ask ourselves, examine ourselves and ask whether that is true or not. Huh? As leaders, we have to live a life of integrity, a life of reputation both at the public and private spheres. Those of you who are not leaders, you don't see yourself as leaders, you may think that this criteria oh, is for the pastors, this criteria is uh, for the church leaders. I am not a church leader. But let me tell you what, to me, church leaders are like a class monitor. Uh, I always compare church leaders to be to the class monitor. In the classroom setting, the teacher always choose the most hardworking kid uh, the the uh, the responsible kid, the most responsible kid, the most uh, responsive kid to be a class monitor. What she is essentially saying is that this is a role model. Am I right? Does it mean that the rest of the class, the rest of the students, they don't need to be on time? They don't. They don't need to be responsible. They don't need to be hardworking. That's not true. The teacher chose a class monitor because this is the role model for the rest of the students to follow. The rest of them to look at and say, this is what I should be. This is the person whom I should become. This is my role model. It's the same with church leaders. When God lay down these qualifications for leaders, God is not saying that the rest of you, if you're not church leaders, you don't need to think about this. That's not true. God saying that these church leaders are your role model, okay, to follow. If you are not there yet, if you don't have the desire to serve, it's not the end of the world, but you need to start cultivating that desire to serve. If you don't have a good reputation outside, people look at you and, you know, they can't tell whether you, you are truly a Christian or not. It's not the end of the world. Repent, right? Think about how you should behave at the public spheres. If you're not taking care of your household now, there's still time. Repent. Look at your church leaders and hopefully they are good role models for you to follow. As church leaders, we need to keep in our mind these qualifications, whether we are qualified or not. We are not perfect, but we always can grow. We always can improve. Public reputation, ability to uphold the right doctrine through your teaching and living 
Last but not least, public, uh, uh, reputation, good reputation at home. I believe that at the end of the day, um, those who can really give a more accurate assessment of how we have been doing as a Christian, as a church leader, is none other than our own family members, none other than our parents, none other than our spouses, none other than our children. And if I ask you this morning, how would your family members greet you, assess you? What mark would they give you? What would you say? <laughs> Think about that. What mark would your parent give you out of ten? Is it a seven, <laughs> nine, or three? Think about that. Does it say something in your life? How would your siblings uh, rate you? Whether you are a good gogo, a good jie you know? How would your family members rate you? How would your what 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 would your husbands say about you? Your 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 wife said about you? And I'm not saying this. I'm not challenging you as if I'm not part of the community. That's not true. I'm also under the scrutiny. Uh, of God, of my family members as well. I remember in my first few years of marriage, and those of you who are married, you know that the first few years are always uh, tougher <laughs> because a lot of adjustments that you need to make, right? Uh, never live, live together before and suddenly you, 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 you see each other 24-7 throughout the, um, the, the, the next few years. And so there are a lot of conflicts that I need to resolve with my wife in my first few years of marriage. And nowadays, we quarrel still, but we quarrel better. Okay, We know how to quarrel. Uh, you are married, if you are, this, this is your 20 years of marriage, uh, marriage and you are still quarreling, that's okay, but you must learn how to quarrel better. Yeah, So I quarrel better. Nonetheless, let me share with you some, um, one of the things that my wife said in my first few years of marriage, and I remember this until today. She also remembered it until today. I remember she said this. She said, as we quarrel, she said, how can you speak to me like that? How can you speak to me like that? You don't even speak to your church members like that. <laughs> and I was speechless, you know. I mean, of course, I cannot call my church members my darling and all that. Lah. But you know what she meant. No? I know what she meant. At the very least, my wife is my first church member. Am I correct? At the very least, I should at least treat her like how I would treat one of my church members. Give her that minimum respect, minimum time, minimum, uh, you know, politeness uh, and all that. But of course, I should not just give her the minimum uh, because she's my wife. I should give her more. But you know my point. yeah. At the end of the day, we should have a good reputation at home. It's not easy, but it is a must. God requires us to take care of our household as well as church leaders of FMC. And if you are not a leader, you should still take care of your household knowing that church leaders are the class monitors. Huh? 
to take care of your family is a testimony for God. And so, as I close, shall we read through again the three qualifications for leaders laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for us this morning. Number one, you should have good what? Reputation at the public sphere. Um, you should live uh, according to what a Christian, a true Christian should live. There are things that people do and you ought not to do because you know that you are a Christian. Number two, ability to uphold the right doctrine, not just with your words, but also with your life through teaching and living. Number three, reputation at the private or family sphere. Right? So it's about taking care of your household. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be aspire, let us desire, even though it's against our sinful fallen nature, but let us cultivate that. Uh, aspire to serve God in whatever positions that He calls us to be, whether it is high, whether it is medium, <laughs> if there's such a word, right? Whether it is lowly position, we serve the Lord. Let us be employed, deploy for the glory of God as long as God is glorified. We want to look good so that our boss looks good. As people look at us, hopefully they don't just see us, uh, they see God, they see Christ's likeness in our life. People say to us, you're not like that in the past. Then you say, it's all because of Jesus. People say to us, how come you are willing to sacrifice? It's all because of Jesus. May that happen in our life. As that happened, as we honour God, let me just say that God reward those who honour Him, uh, those who are faithful. Let us learn to be men and women of integrity with reputation, both from inside and outside of our home. A few questions for reflection. Do you desire to serve God even in leading others? Or you run away? Why would you run away? I thought God is boss. <laughs> so do you desire to serve God even in leading? Number two, how are you doing with your reputation, both the public and the private spheres? Right? Let us all bow down our heads as I um, uh, invite the, the pianist uh, to just play a bit of uh, instrumental music for us. We spend time thinking about uh, the two questions, and then we respond uh, in our personal prayer. Uh, let's spend one minute to do that.